show here this is johnny and ryan and alex and uh we're getting into a couple more uh predictions here guys i hope you can uh stick with us uh I'm really excited to be here i don't can only speak for myself but i uh, think uh alex and ryan are also uh happy to be you guys happy to be here uh indeed very always all right oh uh, great so we're on to the higgs boson particle uh prediction of the simpsons and um where'd that come from guys that came from season 10, episode 2, The Wizard of Evergreen Terrace. The Wizards of Waverly Place. When Homer realizes he hasn't accomplished anything meaningful in his life, he has a midlife crisis. He decides to become an inventor like his idol, Thomas Edison. Speaking of midlife crisis, Mackley, take it away. Uh, uh, <laughs> So apparently, since I've been working out and taking care of myself and going to sleep and shit, uh, I'm going through my midlife crisis at 31 now as I've been putting on weight and stuff. And, and I'm I'm finally proud of my body for the first time. And Johnny's been gaslighting me into shame and trying to. He's like, you shouldn't put your energy. You shouldn't put your energy into your body. You have no idea what you're talking about, okay? You shouldn't care about yourself. You should be putting the energy into the dough show. It's the only thing that you'll ever do of importance. You think you're anything without me? Gaslighting you. You're crazy. Johnny's full of psychological manipulation techniques. He's pretty powerful like that. Wizard build. Wizard build. <laughs> so Homer went through a midlife crisis like Mackley uh, in the episode. Uh, who, who, who wrote this prediction? It's our boy. I, I think I'd have to say at this point, the fucking Doe Show house favorite, fucking Mr. Schwartzwelder himself. Yeah, I'd say that. So far, he's, he's becoming my favorite writer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, once we go through a couple more table reads, uh, which we've done one table read where something was written by Schwartzwelder and just so seeing the, the way... One. Yeah, he wrote like a chunk of it. I don't know if he did the whole thing, but just seeing the way that he writes... The way that he describes things, it's like, oh, I get it. He's just, man, you the genius. You see it instantly. Yeah, totally. And uh, he might be an alien or something like that. But um, yeah, he wrote this episode, The Wizard of uh, uh, Evergreen Terrace. Maybe, mayhaps just a wizard. Mayhaps just a human wizard. <laughs> and the premise is in Homer's uh, uh, following of genius of Edison, he becomes an <laughs> inventor. And one of the cutaways involves him scribbling profusely on the chalkboard and the bottom, which shows the mathematical equation, the Higgs-Boson particle theory. Damn right. Damn right it does. And more than a decade later, scientists discovered this same theory. Also, uh, I believe it's known as the God particle? Alex, you'll be able to tell us more about this. Yeah. Why is it called the God particle? Um, that's just kind of that was one of those things where like one science guy said that as like uh, you know, like 
you know, like it's the holy grail of particle physics right now at this moment. It's like the God particle, like just making a joke about that's what like the next quest, the step of the quest of like particle physics was at the time was to figure out if this hypothetical thing was real or not. And of course, you know, that was just like the thing, like the term that stuck with the press. Um, it's, it's nothing, this, this, this particle does not, in, uh, depending on your belief system or point of view, necessarily confirm or deny a uh, divinity. Um, it's not what this is doing. It has been said that uh, it caused the Big Bang. So that's another reason that it was called it's, that. It, or the, the-, the field was involved with the Big Bang, like right at Big Bang and directly after and that is what the interaction with that and this field is the Higgs field is what causes and powers inflation. And so there are elementary particles, the smallest little points of matter that exist that have, you know, as best as we can tell, a few certain fundamental properties. And based on what those properties are, you know, that define which particle it is. And some of them, as predicted, should not have mass, but they do have mass. So they needed to come up with something that gave them this mass value. And that leads to the prediction of this theoretical Higgs particle. Uh, and there's some really weird things about this field and this particle. Yes, Johnny? Yeah, I was going to say, you said it's a theory. Would you say it's a Higgs it was, theory? It, it, we, was, yes. We, I was, was going to try and set that. That's oh. For those of you who don't know, one of our friends' bands was called the Higgs Theory. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, it was define the mass, and I guess it was similar to Homer's work on the chalkboard. That's the premise of it. Yeah, not super far off. Like, I mean, reasonably close. The, they use a few different parameters that are used in solving the Higgs equation, and they get pretty close. Uh, not correct, but... Um, Again, one of those things that, like, you know, for a sick, an animated sitcom about a working class family, way closer than they should get. <laughs> way closer than they should get. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, like, the reality of the situation uh, where, you know, the Higgs boson thing comes in with what Homer scribbled on the board, uh, they've been researching this for quite a while, right? Yeah. It's not like they just started you looking know. into this shit. It was, you know, theoretically came up in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, and then, but one of those things that we, the largest thing in most complex scientific piece of uh, human technological achievement yet, uh, CERN, is dedicated to checking this out. Was that, that was the point of getting CERN up and running and doing all of that so far. One of the most hottest conspiracy locations on the planet yeah and also uh so we do love uh schwartzwelder here at the dose show but props have to go out to the homie uh cohen he was a part of the simpsons and then he was D david i believe his first name david x cohen or i could have the first name wrong but it's definitely x cohen he went on to do uh create futurama with matt graining and he was um, as the kids say, really fucking smart. <laughs> he was very, very fucking smart. And he was the one who put the idea of what he puts on the board together. And he ended up talking to a buddy of his, uh, 
Do you guys know what the buddy was? He was an astronomer. He was an astronomer at the Columbia University. And he he was working on the equation. Yeah. Well, I mean, his name was David Schmelmoflich. I don't know. I can't pronounce that last name. You guys can give it a shot if you want. But yeah, he was the astronomer at Columbia. He was friends with Cohen, and he worked with him on the equation to try and predict the mass. And that's what they came up with. That's also on who you de- who who's answering that question. You know, if you ask the Simpsons writer, where did that come from? He's going to say, yeah, we were working on it together. If you ask David, I'm sure that's his life's work right there. See, but I'm not sure about that because like, they he he just helped him out to try and figure out like an equation. It's not like uh, the astronomer at Columbia was like that's his life work to figure out the the Higgs boson. But what they got to the prediction, uh, they predicted the mass. And I mean, I'm just I'm just speaking words here at this point, Alex. So pop in and explain the reality yeah. of it. But predicting the mass of Higgs boson to be 775 giga electron volts, which is uh, considered GeV. Yep. And then uh, I guess like the 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 actual amount is 125, and like they say, like well, the figure isn't really that far off. It's like well, that kind of sounds like it's really far off to me. Because initially, in the initial theoretical calculations of it, the mass of it was expected to be somewhere in the 100 to 1,000 gigavolt range, gigavolt oh. range. So they were with. The Simpsons guess was within the expected param was expected range to find it. It wasn't the correct one, and you know later on it got closer and closer and closer to the estimate of the one twenty five, which matched up with predictions and observed behaviors. But initially, they was like they guessed and guessed mathed out to the pro- the initial approximate range of theoretical physicists on the Simpsons. Okay, that makes sense. I guess, you know, when I'm looking at these science things, I don't understand how, like, you know, like 125 to 775 seems like a lot, but in, like, the scientific grand scheme of things, if it's within, like, a thousand range, then it's, like, pretty damn close. That's cool. Yeah. I just found some interesting information. um, How the scientists at CERN were able to provide um, pretty much existence to their theory of the finding the building blocks of matter required the largest machine ever built by man. The Large Hydron Collider is constructed by the European Organization for Nuclear Research, or CERN, and it's a 17-mile circular tunnel. It's 100 in 64 to uh, 574 feet underground on a diagonal direction. Fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts. What this machine does is it shoots particles at each other. It was basically manufactures many big bangs within the tunnel. That's accelerators boost these beams of particles to high energies before the beams are made to collide with each other as close to the speed as light as humans can achieve so far and this is the test to test the prediction of different theories of the particle physics they observe and record the results of these colliders hence the calculations 
matchup. That shit is fucking nuts, man. I couldn't even, I didn't even like science in most of school, but this shit is just incredible to me. Like, maybe they talked about this stuff in high school, but I was like, man, I don't get it. It's not interesting to me right now. You know what, actually, that brings up a quick little tangent. Why do they put us in the most formative education points in our life when we're going through the biggest hormone change of our life? Isn't that like not the right time to do those things? I also, now that you state it in like that particular way, I'm like, I, I feel like you're right with that. You know, like I'm saying you get through middle school, you got four years off, then you start high school. Your uh, your hormones are out of the way, and you can actually focus on things. <laughs> and now a reading from Bart Simpson's Guide to Life. Forgery. Okay, listen up, man. We all know that kids have to do tons of stuff that really stinks. But only one thing is so bad, so vile, so unfair, so downright awful, they had to pass a law to make us do it. That's right, school. Twelve years of hard time. Tote that book. Lift those grades. Learn to read. You can't get away. Or can you? By mastering one simple skill, you can slip through the clutches of the law and take the breaks you deserve. The art of forging signatures smoothly, cleanly, and repeatedly will let you live your life the way you see fit. Here are a few crucial documents you'll use again and again. Take these examples, memorize them, use them, and practice, practice, practice. The Never Fail Sick Excuse Please excuse your name here for missing school the past two days. He, she, was suffering from amnesia and forgot to go to school. He or she is much better now. Thank you. Please never mention this to anyone, as it may trigger a relapse. Sincerely, Parent Signature. So, I do have to ask Mackley, uh, with this whole uh, Hadrian Collider thing we're talking about and all this CERN stuff and all the... Yeah you know, uh, Higgs boast and stuff. Does, um, uh, oh, his name is slipping my fucking mind right now. Stephen Hawking's. Stephen Hawking's tie into that at all? Uh, I mean, he talks on that. He's more astronomy, like black hole physics than he is particle physics. But Do astronomers the- work with particle physics? Uh, yeah, to a degree. Okay, because, yeah, I was going to but- say this David, uh, David dude from Columbia, he was an astronomer. Yeah. So Hawking's mainly worked on like ideas of the universe. Hawking's yeah. comes later in an episode though, I believe in the next Hawkins one we're about to talk about. A lot. Yes, he does. Yeah. He's he's actually in a few of them because his daughter was friends with one of the writers. I forget which one. Um but the writer is like, "Hey, get your get your dad on the show." And he loved doing it. He would show up to table reads like often just as a fan. Yeah. And I mean, how are you going to say no to Stephen Hawking? He's like, 
I mean, I'm not even going to try and do the voice because that's going to be offensive and just mean. But he's like, I would like to come see a table read. And they're like, come on in. <laughs> like, no security guard is going to be like, excuse me, uh, you might be someone trying to impersonate Stephen Hawking, so I can't let you in without credentials. No, they're going to be like, uh, yeah, come on in, sir. The, the studio is just a couple doors down to the right. You'll see the signs for it. Interesting fact about that. Um, he actually, obviously, but he did all the lines. Did he, though? He did. I thought there was a thing. Well, we'll get into it. So, okay. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. So what we're at now, speaking of uh, uh, Senior Hawking. He's in this next episode. Yeah, uh, the Donut-Shaped Universe, which is the episode. Uh, they Saved Lisa's Brain. Episode 22, season 10. Season 10, written by uh, one of the good ones. Matt Selman? Yeah, wasn't he Al Jean's writing partner? Yes, I believe he was. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not sure. This is a little bit hearsay, but I think Al Jean is no longer the showrunner on The Simpsons. I think he still works with them, but I think Matt Selman is now the showrunner for the new season. Yes, I believe he is. Yeah, good for him. Good job, Matt. Let's give a little round of applause for Matt Selman. Good job, Matt. You deserve it. Try not to fuck it up like Gene did. <laughs> uh, this is a little bit later. It's kind of funny. We're kind of going in a little bit of order with these episode air dates. We were just in uh, 98, and now we're at May 9th, 99. Lisa is invited to join the Springfield chapter of Mensa? Mensa, correct. Um, what what is, is Mensa? It is like an IQ intelligent like organization. You got to like take a fucking IQ test to get in. Um, lately, studies of it have shown that it is, has pretty uh, kind of right wingy white mm -hmm. supremacy overtones to yeah. its members' communications. So, I do know a thing or two about Mensa. I just learned some stuff about it. And you can, like, like Alex, you can go and apply for Mensa and uh, you can. Get I don't know if one be, uh, comes before the other, but it's either you pay $1,000, then take the IQ test, or you take the IQ test, then pay $1,000 to get your Mensa membership. And then it's just like a, like a really nerdy brand of like, like, a, like a badge of pride. Like, I'm in Mensa. It's like a <laughs> newsletter type thing of other Mensa members. What's, what else are the other Mensa smart people doing? What are we all doing? Have you ever heard of like the Rotary Club? Yeah. So that's, I feel like it's kind of like that, but instead of just being like a, a slick businessman in the area, you have to be like dumb smart. Exactly. Would you say that yep. in the best way possible? You have to be dumb smart. Like your IQ is through the roof, but like you, you get placed among a crowd of people and you panic. Well, that's not what this episode's about, though. <laughs> I don't think it's white supremacists in this one. <laughs> they don't want to tell you the truth about Mensa on The Simpsons. That's why they never do a show about Scientology. They want to tell you the truth. Dan Calcinetta, he'll tell you, but he just can't tell you in the voice of Homer. But... <laughs> what? This, actually, this next part has another um, prediction within it. But Mary Quimby flees. 
which there's been conspiracies or theories that they've predicted that in terms of uh, what what governor fled Texas. I forget. Uh, the the one that looks like the serial killer, um, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. Or it was no, so it was Ted Cruz did it, and then also no, Chris Christie was the one who tried to like lock off a whole portion of the beach for his family. He's like, yeah, okay, come yeah. over. No, no, Ted Cruz left in the time time of like concern yeah, yeah, and yeah. Dis- distress within the, t- the state. Yeah, it's it's a na- it's a national emergency. You see him getting on a plane and leaving. <laughs> we need to lower the curve. Uh, we need to stay inside. We need to take care of our fellow Americans uh, and just you know bear through it for a couple weeks. Uh, I'm going, <laughs> going to private islands. Now, Borden, Cancun, Mexico. Like, uh, America strong, I'll see you in a couple months. See ya. <laughs> Bahamas are America's trade partner, so this was fine. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I'm doing this for the economy. Mayor Quimby's kind of a character that would do that anyways. Oh, yeah. Mayor Quimby. I don't think that's a prediction. That's just any politician's going to do that. <laughs> Mayor Quimby is very much like the Kennedy family. That's the page. That's page three of the book that we we're given. <laughs> With the one where the Simpsons have to go to a motel room or something, and they like uh, they see Mayor Quimby, and he's like, he pops in the room like, uh, this my I'm in the wrong place. Uh, I must be lost. Uh, vote Quimby, and he leaves the room. <laughs> Hiding his obvious nakedness with a hotel fucking quilt blanket. Yeah, so uh, date of incident uh, would be theory since the 80s and resurged in 2008. So uh, sharing discourse over beers. They're, you know, yucking it up. Homer and uh, Stephen Hawking just yucking it up over a couple duff beers at Moe's. And uh, Hawking says, your theory of the donut-shaped universe is intriguing. I may have to steal it. And he did. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't. The reality, someone give us the goddamn reality of the situation. Well, the reality is there's been a genuine theory that the universe is shaped like a donut. Or Taurus. For a while. Since the 80s. Yeah, since the 80s, yeah. And uh, they didn't always call it like donut shaped. They weren't like, oh, it looks like a donut. They had like more scientific terms to use about it. But yeah, it was real popular in the 80s, got more popular later on. So going back to the idea of the Big Bang, with Big Bang, Higgs field interacting, causing inflation, uh, the idea then is that the universe just kind of inflates on and on and on forever, slowly accelerating until every galaxy is so far apart that they are no longer with the with the distance that they are from each other and how they're traveling, that light will no longer reach each other and no one will ever be able to study the stars. Would you say that with this idea of a donut, quote-unquote, or Taurus thing, would you say that the universe... Well, that's not the Taurus. That's the opposite of the Taurus. The Taurus form would be saying that there is a finite, limited edge of the universe, and once you hit it, you're going to start going down and around and come back out through the middle of it, back at the inside starting point. I was thinking more like, uh, is could the universe be like a ripple on the water where it starts like a small little shape and then it just slowly and slowly builds out? That's kind of how uh, Einstein describes massive bodies interacting with space-time. He says that space-time essentially imagine it as a fabric 
and then like as you put a massive object in it it sinks it down and bends it around and that would be like earth yeah. sun uh and what it first became popular in 2003 when uh cosmologists noticed unexpected patterns but in the cosmic background uh, cosmic microwave background which is uh, left over from the big bang like the energy pattern of it and uh so like you know different high and ener- high low energy hot cold spots um and then if an inner an in- infinite universe would contain uh many various differing wave size and patterns in it but that is a surprisingly lacking of particular longer wavelengths in the spectrum uh which could be explained if the universe was finite in size because then it would energy could only get up to a certain point because it's dependent on those types of things. I would actually like to quote one of my favorite uh, cosmologists. Um, his name was Professor Hunter, and I believe, I have to think of it, he said, um, what do you say? Ripple in still water. When there is no pebble thrown, no wind to blow. And I just think that is, it just speaks to my soul. You know, we are nothing but sitting in the wave and the ripple of the millennium. Well, there's then, so, you know, there's subjective and objective reality and there one of one portion of quantum mechanics says that you know a, you know quantum superposition you know classical computers one or a zero is or is not yes or no quantum is a superposition that can have a value between one or zero and or one and zero and uh that means that you know it's in a superposition that it's nothing until it's observed so then there is no actual objective reality. It's just multiple subjective point of views from different observers. And what all the most uh, observers agree upon is what actually happens. And, but it could happen for different views. Now, do you know, I mean, we've seen, we've seen Stephen Hawking on a couple Simpsons episodes. And as Ryan was saying earlier, we said, we'd get to it. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Well, this we'll wasn't his first appearance. This was just his first main uh, cameo, I, I guess, guest starring. He was the main character in this episode. One of them. You know, he, he saved Lisa from the falling gazebo. Then it was a helicopter apparatus. Kind of go go gadget helicopters out. And oh yeah, <laughs> flies her away. I mean, to be, I mean, uh, wasn't uh, Stephen Hawking's? He was also in. Uh, I keep saying Hawking's, like it's plural, plural, plural. But uh, he was in Futurama as well, and they like uh, captured Fry in the van, and it was like Stephen Hawking and like uh, one of the girls from Star Trek, and like the guy who created D and D. <laughs> they just got him in the van. Like, All the head in the jars. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't head in the jars. It was people. I mean, I think he was a big, big fan of sci-fi, uh, sci-fi, and just animation in general. And the creators of The Simpsons. Some of them obviously went over to do Futurama, and he was quoted, David X. Cohen. He was known quoted as saying that it was the best American animated series. He said that about the Simpsons? 
Yeah, the smartest man in the world said that about the Simpsons. So. All right, let's give a little round of applause for Stephen Hawking. I just want to let everyone listening know that Alex Mackley did not clap. I did clap. Don't you dare put that on me. Interesting enough, that episode that he was in, he actually did all the recording and the dialogue through his computer, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And specifically in this episode, he was required to say the word fruitopia, but the machine had troubles pronouncing it. So him and the writers had to sit down and with his machine and figure out how to properly pronounce fruitopia. Oh, God. I thought that was pretty interesting. That is super interesting. Imagine like... <laughs> Like how to get the how to get the like the pronounced syllables to come out right based on like some weird ass phonetic spelling of it. Yeah, and also you're sitting there with Stephen Hawking, and you're like trying not to be disrespectful. Try, probably like, trying not to laugh as you just hear this thing just make weird guttural sounds like fruit, fruitopia, fruitopia, fruitopia. Fruiopia. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, Mr. Hawkins, can you just take it one more time from the top? Fruitopia. I think we got it. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I think we got it. <laughs> no, they respected him. Like I said earlier, that he went to a lot of table reads. He loved him, the crew. He was part of them. Yeah. You know, they joked around, I mean, I'm sure. Actually, this is a good time right now. Thank you for bringing up uh, people being respected. This is a beautiful time to bring up the fact that we have our first Patreon subscriber. And that one subscriber is dun, dun, the dun, one dun, and only dun, dun. Calvin. He has been the fucking homeboy since the beginning. He has supported us time and time and time again. And I feel like he needs to be appreciated right now. Yes. Thank you very much, Calvin. Thank you, thank you, Calvin. I would say I like Calvin more than Stephen Hawking. I'll say that. I'll say it to Stephen Hawking's grave. <laughs> like we said before, he was like, oh, I like your theory of a donut-shaped universe. It's intriguing. I may have to steal it. His only notes to the writers after receiving the script was that he did not want to be perceived as drunk in the episode. I could totally see that, and you have to respect that wish from someone. That's the smartest, was the smartest man in the world. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're, if you know, if you read it and you see that you are, your character is drinking with Homer Simpson, you gotta be like, hey, I don't mind sharing a beer with that man. But, but also, I mean, like, on the other side of the fence, like, dude, if the fucking writers and the uh, animators got, like, the go-ahead to make uh, Stephen Hawking seem drunk, and, like, if they could take his little button-clicky thing and have, like, add a slur to it, oh, that would have been comedy gold. Homer, I... You're my best friend, uh... Your idea is great. I will have to call you later and send you an email. Like, just like the kind of conversation you have when, we, when you're drunk at a bar 
and you're just running ideas and you think everything is amazing just for him to be like, oh, that would that would be such great comedy. But for him to be like, I don't want to be perceived that way. And you're like, of course, of course, of course. We would never do that. At the end of the episode, you know, Homer's sleeping. Him call him super drunk. Homer, <laughs> I am are in love with you. <laughs> 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 and then it's like he fall you just and then like split screen to see him like slumped over like just stuck on a key so just hitting like the z sound over dude stephen hawking drunk text could be a whole cartoon <laughs> that's fucking phenomenal <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Spliff Society. Spliff Society makes 100% all-natural hand-rolled palm wraps for the best smoking experience possible. No tobacco, no chemicals, no bullshit. Why mess with those funky fillies when you could be smoking loud out of a goji berry cone sourced from the foothills of the Himalayan mountains? Maybe you prefer cocoa, maybe sage. Maybe you want to be a high roller and smoke out of a lotus or a rose petal cone. With so many sizes and styles and flavors, you can't go wrong with Spliff Society. But wait, there's more. Every cone comes in a beautiful and functional glass tube so you can keep your products safe and use the cork stopper if your session needs to be cut short with no mess. Find Spliff Society links in our show notes and as a special gift to our listeners, use code DOSHOW, that's D-O-H-S-H-O-W, at checkout for 10% off your entire order and enjoy Spliff Society, premium products for premium smokers. Uh, this episode caused uh, some controversy, guys. Let me just tell you, after a comic book guy announcing Springfield is 299th of 300 most livable cities in the U.S., with East St. Louis being last, I just don't understand it. People got pissed. I, I can... From experience, I can tell you that East St. Louis uh, belong belongs to be where it's at. I would, I've, I've been, I've been to Detroit. I've been to East St. Louis. I've seen homeless people crawl out of sewers. Uh, I don't think that Springfield is 299th. Well, now we're on to the last. I think. Yeah, it's about the last one. So this one is the last science piece we're gonna cover. And it's barely science. It is the prediction that it's sciencey. It's sciencey for sure. It's definitely sciencey. But is the prediction that oh, this is gonna be so fucking difficult to pronounce. Uh, Bengt R. Holstrom wins Nobel Prize in economics. And this happened uh, quite later than what we've been discussing. Yeah, we did have a good run going, but this is much later. This is season 22 and first episode. Elementary School Musical, written by Tom Long, which we we haven't discussed much about Tom Long. We haven't even brought him up at all. One thing I will say about this episode is outside of this prediction, it's a a lot of people shit on it, but I think it's a phenomenal episode. This is the one with uh, Flight of the Concords in it. And this is the one where they have the area of Springfield, which is like the village in New York, but it's in Springfield. 
but it starts with uh go ahead no no well, it's also also uh Stephen Haw- Hawking is in this episode as well Really? Yes, he is. I don't remember that one. But I mean the uh the synapsis. Synapsis is Marge sends Lisa to a performing arts camp where uh, artsy counselors inspire her to embrace her creative side. Lisa grows bored of stubborn, or I'm sorry, not stubborn, suburban life and goes to Spookalin. Well, Homer and Bart accompany Krusty to Oslo so he can receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Which, I mean, who better than Krusty to get the Peace Prize? Sweden. <laughs> I mean, I'd give it to Krusty. No one brings me peace of mind quite like having Krusty the Clown. Hey, hey, kids! My head on and up next we have. No, not 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 show not show face Krusty behind the curtain, Krusty. Uh, today I am a clown. Yeah, yeah, that that Krusty. <laughs> All right, Alex. What's what's the premise of this this the theory here? This prediction. The season twenty two. If I'm not mistaken, their uh, Lisa and her friends are taking bets or uh, predicting on Nobel Prize winners, and uh, Milhouse ends up losing because he predicts that Mister. Uh, I'm gonna try and follow along with John saying it. Bent or Holmstrom would win in economics, uh, but in the show he lost, but in reality, it would be coming up Millhouse because in 2016, Mr. Holstrom ended up winning the degree in economics. Holstrom, 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 go Topes. (laughs) He got it. 2016, he got it. But in that same scene, so Millhouse bets on, like, they basically have a fucking gambling line on different, like, people in certain classes. Like, you have economics or this or that or the other thing. And uh, if you look on the lists, it's basically like they were just picking really smart people to put in their, like, little gambling bet thing. Uh, but when it came down to it, the actual reality of the situation. I mean, this is, it's just like the Super Bowl, like we were talking about earlier in a previous episode. The odds. The Vegas odds, baby. You follow Vegas, follow Harvard graduates, like Alex was saying. <laughs> Harvard gambling, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think this guy's on to some pretty big shit. It sounds it sounds legit. I don't quite understand it. I don't think he's going to win in this upcoming one. 2018, I'm betting on 2018. This guy's coming up. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm, I'm taking Holstrom on the over-under. I'm doing a parlay. He's going to put out three plus uh, uh, articles this year, over-under. Putting 10K on Holstrom. Actually, that reminds me. So on uh, Futurama, who is Professor Farnsworth, uh, his enemy in science? It's not Holmstrom. 
It's Wormstrom. Do you think that was taken from uh, Holmstrom? Potentially. Could be. Wormstrom. All right. Now, even though though this episode was um, very science-based and we started culturally, I'm going to bring it back. You ready? So there is a bunch of cultural references within this episode. They reference the Partridge family, the Beach Boys. They do Inception. There's a uh, uh, Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson, uh, uh, Super Bowl nip slip run. There is also a map of Middle Earth. I thought that uh, those were all pretty accurate and funny, but it's uh, just to bring it back. It's all full circle. Everything's cultural and science when you really dissect it. Yeah, well, when you get a bunch of fucking motherfuckers from Harvard, it's hard not to have the smart angle on it. You are correct. So you're saying that there's how many things in this episode? How many relations? Six to seven or six to nine, I guess. And that honestly, that's I don't, I can only speak for myself. That's one of the things that makes this show so incredible and so nostalgic and so like big for me is when you watch it, there's so much to unpack. I remember watching it as a kid and you barely got the jokes that were there for kids. And now you get everything. And, and now we're see. doing a podcast dissecting every episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, not every episode. We don't do that. We said from the first episode, we do not do that. We do not dissect each episode. We are a Simpsons-ish podcast. So what? We got through the Binks and Holstrom. He's a very, uh, uh, a very popular... Um, how do you say? Uh, he's pretty good at what he does. Yeah. He's smart. Yeah. But not like, not smarter than me. Yeah. Yeah. Am I Finnish? Am I Canadian? I don't Am I know. German? Are you finished? What are you doing here? All right, that's that said. Uh, that's the end of the Doe Show, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We had a great time. So much fun bullshitting about different predictions. Uh, we bullshit a lot of them. We uh, didn't boss a lot of them because they weren't bossable. But uh, we'll be back soon with more predictions. We got more, don't we? We got a bunch more. We got a bunch. So we'll take a little time here to say... If you want to follow us online, go check out Facebook. It's the Doe Show, a Simpsons-ish podcast on Facebook. Go on Instagram. You can find us at The Doe Show, all separated by whatever they use to separate it. And then also, what's the big one, guys? Our Patreon. We have a Patreon. Yeah. Support us so we can actually like... Support us. Yeah. We just we just want to make everything better for you guys. That's we just want to grow. We just want to grow. We're 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 growers, not showers, guys. And every dollar means a lot to us. And even if you don't have a dollar, 
just a share of the episode or even just like a nice message. I don't know about you guys, but I got a nice message from someone just the other day and they were like, hey man, really enjoying the podcast. I enjoy this, this, and this about it. And man, I, I that made my day. Just to hear that. I have not received that message, so I'd like to receive that message. Nice forward to be nice. No, it was spoken in person. Ah. Yeah. Get your own in person. Fucking go tell go tell your coworkers, motherfucker. Get some fucking good responses for yourself. No, I had someone that was like, hey, I listened to this episode and I really enjoyed it. And uh, you know, it just give me a little pep in my step for the rest of the day. I really enjoyed it. Uh and I like hopping on every Monday and recording with you guys, whether or not anyone's listening. But the fact that people are listening and saying that they enjoy it, it just adds that little little uh little thumb up the butt if you know what i mean all right no i do not <laughs> all right so that's the episode everyone uh so long everyone bye good night